Hello ladies, this is the Military Woman and so much more. I am your host, Sharika Labrie. Thank you for joining us this week. Uh, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, this podcast is for all things military and women. We talk about current events, social issues, uh, social fun, finances, deployments, being a mom, being a woman, being a leader, and all of the above, and all of the hats that we wear. This podcast is for you. So this week, I invited Lieutenant Colonel Kelly Bell after uh, she, well, the group that she helps moderate on Facebook, the Army Moms Life, was shouted out by the Sergeant Major for a policy change for postpartum mothers. So it was a big change in Army history. And uh, if you are in the Army, then you've noticed that we've had other uh, changes as well, um, such as fingernail polish and earrings, little things, but they do make the difference, all the difference. So please listen up for Lieutenant Colonel Kelly Bell as we talk about advocating for women in the military. Thank you for listening. And please, please, please leave uh, your feedback on whatever uh, platform that you listen to this podcast on, because the more feedback we get, the more comments we get, the more um, visible this podcast is to other women who could probably use this information or at least share it with someone else who can benefit from the information shared throughout these podcasts. Thank you and have a great week. So I'm reserve and I was uh-huh. in a unit out of Utah uh-huh. command. Um, and then my husband is AGR and his unit is a headquarters. So one star headquarters element or unit. And so they were deploying an element forward. They went to Kuwait. And so they had stood up a rear detachment. So I went on a CONUS mobilization with the rear detachment as their medical readiness officer. Mm. And that started in July of 2019. So about a little more than halfway through, um, well, about halfway through is when like the virus started, but that was uh-huh. like the time frame, right? And so as the you know pandemic became what it was, then <laughs> my, right? Um, I still did medical readiness, but also as the only, uh, like nurse in our command, then, you know, COVID obviously fell on me for a lot of things. And so then I became like the commander's advisor for the medical side of COVID, which is mostly everything. Oh my Um, God. Right. And so (laughs) I did not um, sign up for this. (laughs) Right. Right. Like I didn't agree to a pandemic. No. (laughs) What what kind of nurse are you? Or what's your specialty? My, my, my background is ER nursing. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So, um, but I do like, um, you know, infection control Uh uh, type stuff. And so it's been intriguing and emergency management type things. So um, so it's been really um, interesting to manage, um, you know, training and readiness in a pandemic, of course, across the army. And so then I came off my mobilization ended basically at the end of June uh, last summer. And then I was off for a week, essentially week and a half in another unit assigned to another unit. 
um, outside, completely outside of this command. Uh And they called me up and said, hey, we're back from our deployment. This was like the senior leadership. We're back from our deployment. Can you come in and brief us on COVID? Okay. So I came in and I briefed them on COVID. And of course we had like all these op orders and fragos and HQDA exords and they had been in Kuwait. So they were in their little bubble and then they come back to the U.S. and it's COVID. And so I gave them all this information and their eyes were real wide. (laughs) They said, we need to set up a task force at our headquarters. And they turned to someone in the G3, she's the, she was a SPO and she Mm -hmm. said, I want you to be the OIC of the task force. And then she looked over at me and said, I want Lieutenant Colonel Bell on my task force. (laughs) So uh, I went, called my actual unit that I was assigned to. And I said, Hey, you know, that unit that I just came off mobilization with, they want me to come back on ADOS. Okay. That's fine. Wow. So it was a big scramble and did all the stuff needed for on orders. So I went back on orders like mid July of 2020. And um, then they've done a few extensions. So right now <laughs> we just go through uh, the end of May uh-huh. because I was board selected for a uh, Lieutenant Colonel Battalion Command position. Oh, nice. So, Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. So I have to come off of my um, active duty orders in order to take that position. Um, But just with their scheduling and everything, um, we're looking at uh, like mid-June when they have their normal battle assembly weekend that I would do the assumption of command. And so they've been really good with working at with me, with my orders, so -hmm. we can transition other people. They're looking for other people to come in and... um, replace me so that I can then come off of orders and um, take command and take command. Wow. Yep. One big job <laughs> to another big job. Right. Well, kudos uh, to you. Yeah. It has not been a, a, a easy breezy year by any means right. plus COVID right. and everything yeah. is plus COVID. <laughs> yep. oh, it's been man. interesting and, um, you know, really learned a lot over this last year. Um, yeah with the COVID, you know, doing COVID stuff and mitigation plans and training, all that kind of stuff. So it's been good. Yeah, everyone, everyone's learning all at the same time. That's yeah. for sure. No yeah. one's yeah. a pro at anything. <laughs> yeah, sure. what, you, what you say goes today and it might change tomorrow. <laughs> Can't ever be wrong. Oh, no. but that's, that's good. So a lot of active duty uh, hours is going towards yes. your reserve time for sure. Yep. Yes. That's yes. A plus. <laughs> so, so ma'am, so do you mind if I call you Kelly or you want me to call you Lieutenant Colonel um, Bell? Which one would you prefer? Call me Kelly. Let's okay. just do this real relaxed. And okay. yeah, that's totally fine. Okay. Awesome. I try to stay uh, really uh, relaxed and um, I'm losing the word, but like through social media, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That I, that I work with or admin, I'm always like, please don't call me ma'am, even though I'm the highest ranking, but you know, I want people to be able to be candid and open with me. So I try to, you know, not bring rank into it. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, not have that 
I understand exactly what you yep. mean. <laughs> right. It's kind of be ambiguous. So people don't feel yes. like they have to act a certain way. Exactly. Um, exactly. I use one them. I think will help the soldiers, but mm-hmm. I don't want soldiers to feel like they can't, uh, you know, come to me or reach out to me mm-hmm. um, because yes. of that. So that's smart, 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 especially yes. when in an admin group, for sure. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Let's not bring rank into that. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so surprising. But yeah, so let's, we'll talk about the, the social media group as well. So, yeah. so thank you, uh, Kelly, for joining us today on the military, or the military mom. <laughs> uh, <laughs> edit that out on the um, Military Woman's Podcast today. Uh, uh, just, I, I reached out to uh, to Kelly after she had, uh, had some major wins in the Army Mom Life group that she's a administrator for. Um, so I was like, oh, let's talk about these wins and all the advocacy that that the, the group has been doing. So thank you, Kelly, for joining us. Just please, please tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, about your background, and um, go ahead. Sure. So I am Lieutenant Colonel Kelly Bell. I've been in the reserve for almost 22 years. I do have a deployment to Afghanistan where I worked in the ICU at um, Bagram Airfield there. And I have a CONUS mobilization in support of a rear detachment and then which became COVID support. Um, and currently working as a nurse advisor for a COVID task force. And I'm getting ready to um, pick up a battalion command position. So I'm really excited um, to get back into leading troops. And I have two daughters, five and eight and a half, and I live in Iowa. Awesome. 22 years. So you've had a lot of experience with, well, both, I mean, civilian and military life, just in in one sentence, (laughs) this is a a heavy question. How different is the civilian and military life? (laughs) Um, Well, to be honest, so my background is ER nursing. Uh And so I would say there's actually a lot of similarities between um, the ER nursing and the military was probably one of the things that draws me to both. And uh, when you work in the ER, you really have to be a cohesive team. It's fast paced. You have to think on your feet, you know, quickly assess the situation. So that's a lot of, um, what we also try to do in the military in terms of, you know, when we're in the middle of a operation or something, you know, those quick decisions that we have to make to save lives. And uh, I found a lot of camaraderie working in the ER, uh, just because again, you do have to have that teamwork. So there's some similarities um, between the type of nursing that I did and the military, um, similar, probably similar to what people would find if they're law enforcement or firefighters, paramedics, that type of thing, where Mm. there's probably more similarities with the military than in a lot of the other uh, civilian jobs that are out there. Oh, well, that's good. So it makes the transition going like you're one week in a month. Uh, well, now it's like every day, but it makes it easy. Right. You, know, you don't feel like a fish out of water, basically. Right. Okay. And actually, my reserve weekends, a lot of times were a break from my civilian job because <laughs> the, the job is so intense uh-huh. and busy. And then my weekends uh, for the reserve on the reserve side were not as busy or intense. So it's almost like a little break from my civilian job. 
Yeah. Yes, I, I, we all need breaks, especially during yes. this time. <laughs> well, and again, everything is different now with COVID. So I'm sure yeah. you're like, I can use a break <laughs> somewhere, <laughs> anywhere. So, so Kelly, the, one of the reasons that I reached out uh, was because of the group, the Army Mom Life, which I just uh, joined recently. It's fascinating to see all these groups come, just you know, come on Facebook to to provide support to, mm-hmm. uh, to to military soldiers. And this one in particular really focuses around being a mom in the military and the challenges and the joys that it brings all together. What, um, what has been your experience as one of the administrators? Sure. So I was already an administrator for the Facebook group, uh, Mom to Mom Global, uh, Breastfeeding and Combat Boots. So I've been doing advocacy for moms in the military for several years now and working to revise policies throughout the DOD, not just in the Army. And so through that work, then I got um, invited to become an admin on the Army Mom Life, which was actually started by um, Sergeant Nicole Pierce in E5, which is, I mean, it's amazing. She does an amazing job with the group. And so uh, I think it was November, December timeframe. She asked if I would come on board as an administrator for the Army Mom Life, which I was super excited about. I was already an active poster on the site, um, responding to soldiers, advocating and mentoring. So it was to me, it was just like a perfect step um, forward. And then uh, just prior to that, I had been trying to push some additional policy revisions and was kind of um, advised, mentored, whatever, hey, you should become active on Twitter. So I had gotten a Twitter account. And then after I joined the Army Mom Life, and it was all kind of happening at the same time, it was like the perfect timing for everything. Um, National Defense Authorization Act was about to pass. It had some really great stuff in there for uh, female service members as well. And so we created an Army Mom Life Twitter account and really started to kind of push some of the main issues uh, through that venue. And there's a lot of Army senior leaders that are on Twitter. And so it's really easy to to kind of tag them. And then a lot of their accounts are run by PAOs, but, you know, they still see the issues. And so we got our voice out on Twitter and then we were picked up by some of the Army senior leaders that started to follow some of our uh, threads that we were putting out there and things just kind of progressed from there in a really positive way. <laughs> um, yes, and we yes. uh, to submit a, um, some proposals. Uh-huh. So Sergeant Major of the Army reached out um, and I can't remember if he reached out to Sergeant Pierce specifically or the Army Mom Life Twitter account and said, hey, you have some proposals. Hey, why don't you submit them? And so instead of just submitting like a list of, hey, these are what we would like to see changed, Mm -hmm. we um, went a step further and we took, we put a survey out and it went out to several different uh, social media sites, the Army Mom Life, um, some of the women mentorship Mm -hmm. groups, other sites that I'm not even on, like some installations have their own Facebook groups, but it went out and we got about 300 respondents. And so we took that 
and we consolidated what they would like to see as proposals. And we came up with our top five mm. and wrote like a 13 page proposal paper that has other proposals actually like embedded in that. And so we had research, we had the issue, we had the actual proposal. So it wasn't just a list of, hey, this is what we want to see change. Like we gave them a a product they could actually work with. And it went to uh, TRADOC, to General Funk, Lieutenant General Martin. It went directly to the Sergeant Major of the Army. It went to the Undersecretary of the Army's PAO, um, all of which we had already kind of been in communication with. And they had said, send us your product. And it has since circulated um, throughout the Pentagon and our other senior leaders. And I think they were not expecting a product that was as well put together as it was, you know? Uh-huh. Right. And, they, did they expected like a list of here's my right, issue? Right. Like <laughs> a wine list. You're like, right, I'm right. going to wine and this is what we want. Right. And we had, again, we had research. We pulled in. Um, experts from different fields, um, mm-hmm. physical fitness experts, all, you know, different um, folks helped out with it. And I think they were pleasantly, very pleasantly surprised with what they received. Mm-hmm. And uh, so now there is a working group. It starts uh, April 5th. It's called the Pregnancy and Postpartum Policy Planning Team. And it's a week long. Um, I don't know, work group of um, some senior leaders and different policy writers basically taking the proposal paper and looking at each of the proposals and how they can turn that into actual policy. So that is super exciting. (laughs) That that is super exciting. And that was very, like, that was so. Okay, let's let let me rewind a little bit. So sure. let's let's start with the whole list of problems. So before y'all were like, okay, I know we have our kind of list that we want to mm-hmm. address. Let's put this out as a survey, right? Just to see, you know, we're not the only voice of the women. Let's see what they they like. So do you exactly. kind of recall what that list looked like? Or so you can give me the top we, five. Or yeah, which, what which, our top five were is pretty much because our top five that we had initially kind of thought of in our uh-huh. head was what the common issues were that we assist soldiers with through the site, anyways. Okay. okay. And so we already had an idea of these are the the main topics based mm-hmm. on the issues that come in through the social media sites. Mm-hmm. But the way that we run the Army Mom Life, it's very soldier-centric. So it's all about the admins advocating for the soldiers within the group, assisting them. And so we wanted to make sure that we were capturing the needs and wants of the soldiers. So that's mm-hmm. why we put the survey out. And so the, the five things that came back, um, based on the survey and, you know, kind of what we see the first one, which has already been addressed, which is amazing was the postpartum height, weight deferment. So we really wanted, um, of course we would like to see the overall height, weight standards adjusted, revised, et cetera. But in the interim, 
what we wanted was to extend that postpartum height weight deferment from 180 days to the full 12 months postpartum because we were seeing a lot of soldiers there hit that 180 day mark. Now you're only cleared to exercise at what, usually six weeks? six weeks without complications. And that's not heavy exercise. You know, mm -hmm. when we say you're cleared to exercise, it's not, you're not, bam, I'm back to my pre-pregnancy, right? So that's right. light jogging, you know, fast walking, not even necessarily heavy lifting. So it mm -hmm. takes time for the female body to get back even to a rigorous exercise place um, physically. And so mm -hmm. we saw a lot of these women that were doing crash diets, unhealthy eating habits, um, pushing themselves physically when their bodies weren't ready and then ending up with other postpartum complications because of that, you know, you've got incontinence issues, all mm -hmm. sorts of things that tie into that. And so, and you had women that were uh, stopping breastfeeding because they couldn't lose the weight. They were trying to maintain their milk supply, but you mm -hmm. have to, you know, have an increased calorie intake to do so. And some, a lot of women experience um, some a weight stagnation. I don't want to necessarily say weight gain, but they can't lose the weight and sustain a milk supply for their uh, babies. So they mm -hmm. would stop breastfeeding. So all of that was kind of tying into let's extend this out to 12 months. The other services already had a nine to 12 month deferment. The army was still at 180 days. So that deferment just came through last week. Yes. Um, yeah. Before it was officially put out on a Friday and then the memo and subsequent LRAC came the following week. So that is huge, uh, really a win for moms. And from what we're seeing um, through Twitter from the Army senior leaders is that it, that is supposed to pertain to soldiers everywhere. Mm -hmm. So um, it's our understanding that it also pertains to soldiers at um, schools, so PME. Uh -huh. would also be deferred. We have had a couple soldiers that kind of fell in that window where they were past 180 days, but less than 12 months. Um, and we had one soldier in particular, she was at a school, she, she failed. And then like three days later, they put out the deferments. They weren't sure if the school was going to honor it, you know, even though she was in that grandfathered window, which was great. The policy does grandfather soldiers in if you're in that 180 to 365 day window, mm -hmm. it wipes out any height weight that you did after the 180 days. So they did come back to her and say, you fall under this window, that height weight's not going to count against you negatively. So oh. that's fantastic. Yes, it was fantastic news. Um, and so a great win for the moms that are in that first year postpartum. And so that was our number one, uh, request on our proposal paper. And we've already got the deferment. Uh, that is that, I mean, that's awesome. I, I was yeah. one of those ones that I had to go to uh, captain's career course. Mm -hmm. Um, I waited kind of later in my career and I was due to, um, uh, my, what is it? My board was like closing in that August. So mm -hmm. I couldn't go it, the timing, the only time I, I was able to go was like March or July, but July was pushing it too close. Uh, I had my baby with the emergency section, November 13th, 
of what 2013 and I had to take a uh a record PT test in March of uh, 2014. And mind you, I had not taken a PT test since uh, I think 2012, because I had two kids back back to back. (laughs) So so I was coming off a big slump of not having a PT test because of of the births of my kids. Um, And yeah, I just remember at that six week mark, I mean, luckily for me, my body healed, you know, I didn't have any issues or maybe that's why I can't really, I I, kind of tinkle on myself sometimes, but you know, but but, I mean, it was, it was a lot of pressure. Like that six weeks when I was cleared, I, I started running and exercising that very day, Mm -hmm. you know? I was, they, they, they made, they were like, you have to, you have to take a PT test and you have to pass, you know? I thought, you know, well, not that I thought I was like, well, if I don't, I'm, I'm definitely gonna, you know, get looked over or something like that for, for major. So it was, uh, it was some stressful times. And I mean, I passed, but again, I wouldn't wish that on anyone, especially if you had complications. You right. Know? Yeah. And we have other soldiers. There's an admin that, you know, similar situation really pushed yourself and you do, um, you can end up with, you know, long-term, even lifelong um, complications, whether it's, you know, incontinence or, you know, uterine prolapse, whatever, because your muscles just aren't ready for some of those activities. And then you throw the ACFT in there. That's even more, you know, core centric and pelvic floor centric women really need um, to be careful with the postpartum exercise and make sure. So that's one of the other um, proposals that we put in there was an increased postpartum standard of care to ensure that female soldiers, when they're going for their follow-up checks, they need more than just a six week. They need subsequent um, checks and we need as soldiers, we need to be evaluated like athletes. Mm-hmm. We're not moms that go home that were not necessarily active prior to getting pregnant, right? right. We're athletes. And so we need to be assessed during the postpartum period as athletes with the understanding that these are the exercises that you're going to be doing. So there needs to be um, better floor, pelvic floor evaluations, and then evaluations specific to the ACFT exercises that really put a lot of pressure on the core and pelvic floor. And so that was one of the other uh, proposals that we have in there. And going back to PME, we would like to see uh, some changes to the PME as that, you know, and you look at the officer PME, there's a lot of the officer PME when you get to captain's career course, and especially like at ILE, and for example, there's no physical component outside of height, weight, and APFT or soon to be ACFT. Right. Right. And so if you have a soldier and that's the only thing that she can't do, like we, I was not graded at captain's career course. It was basically a pass or a fail. Yeah. Right. There's no honor grad. We didn't have tests that were graded. So if I didn't take that APFT because I was postpartum or pregnant, it wasn't going to affect the end outcome of me succeeding at captain's career course, for example, right. or at ILE. It's right. all didactic. So we're working with TRADOC is really evaluating that. That was, you know, one of our other proposals was to how can we allow pregnant and postpartum soldiers to go to the PME 
with the understanding that obviously there's courses that just, you know, are not conducive to, um, you know, there's no way you could send a pregnant soldier to airborne air assault, you know, some of the other classes, we understand that, but in general, how can we ensure that soldiers can still go to PME, et cetera, pregnant and, or during that postpartum period where they're exempt, where the APFT or ACFT and height weight is not going to play a role in their end success of the course, for example. Right. So we have mo- seen some exemptions already with captain's okay. group course, for example, which is great. And ILE, but it's kind of hit and miss. It's because it's not a true policy. I got you. So it's just kind of dependent so we're on at- the command or whomever is in charge at the time. Right. Right. Okay. You know, in virtual, we've had a lot of classes that have been virtual now. And so that's kind of changed in that, hey, maybe these soldiers can attend. It's not affecting their end outcome. Mm -hmm. You know, so let's work. How can we integrate uh, these soldiers into the classes? So we'll see that. But it's that proposal is out there as well. (laughs) In the big scheme of things, you know, you know who you are if you're struggling with your PT, you know? So, so, so at the end of the day, you know, it's going to affect your career. If you're in the captain's mm-hmm. career course, you're an ILE senior soldier or is it senior? Um, I can't think of the S the, the senior, the senior course. I can't. Oh, war for college. Command. War college. Thank you. Oh. Yes. Uh, for war college. I mean, you know who you are, you know, right. you're, you're, you know, it's going to affect your career. So you, yep. you get to it when you can, but obviously if you're injured, you're postpartum, you're pregnant. Yeah. It's a little bit different. <laughs> yeah. Well, in some of the classes. So I, when I was taking company command, I was pregnant when I took command and I, Wanted to go to my pre-command course. It's a week-long, 100% classroom studying. It was at Fort Knox. We stayed in a hotel, sat in a classroom all day. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to go pregnant earlier on in my pregnancy before you get into, you know, your monthly appointments or whatever, even then, you know. Right. And right. I was driving. I wasn't flying. It was like five hours from my home of record. And I couldn't go because I was, you know, I had a temporary profile because I was pregnant, which meant not only, so it delayed going to pre-command course, you know, into my command tenure, Uh but then I went, I went almost exactly at three months postpartum. So then I had to find, you know, my, my three month old is staying with my parents. I had to ship breast milk home. So they had breast milk. I'm trying to pump during the class, you know, all these things that had I been able to go earlier on and there were slots available mm-hmm. for me to go to they, because I was coded as temporary profile pregnant, I couldn't go. Right. And I had a completely normal complication free pregnancy. So there's physically, there is no reason why I couldn't sit in the classroom uh, <laughs> all day, you know, for a week, but right, right. Nope. I couldn't. So then you have all this other coordination and it's delayed going. Um, for probably six plus months into my command tenure and command tenure is not that long, you know? So. Right. Right. So it's like, what's even the point? I'm already right. been in command. <laughs> yep. yep. So. Yeah. so hopefully things like that, uh, that eliminate, you know, those issues. Cause yes, shipping breast milk, all that good stuff. That is yep. definitely finding childcare for infant yep. oh, man. I know. 
And the emotional, the, you know, separating mom from baby increases postpartum depression rates and increases postpartum anxiety. That all ties into, of course, medical readiness. So, I mean, there's just a lot of research out there of, you know, keeping mom and baby together if possible. Um, and then the reimbursement. So there is a effort, joint service effort out there that we're working on. It was initiated by the Air Force Women's Initiative team. Uh, to revise the joint travel regulations to officially authorize the reimbursement of breast milk transportation. So on the Army side, there's a small group of us who are finalizing like the Army side products of it to start to send that out uh, to gain support. So that would be really helpful for mothers and ease a lot of that stress and anxiety if mothers do go TDY. Uh, during um, the time that they're breastfeeding, we're not putting a time frame on it because some mothers choose to breastfeed, you know, well beyond that first year, which is another story. But um, we are working on uh, a postpartum and parental like operational and training deferment policy that ties in. Um, it will basically align us with the other services as well in that right now the um, duty away from home policy in the army, depending on what you read and what you choose to read is anywhere from four really to six months. Some, some units will push it out to 12 months with the deployment deferment, but really soldiers are being sent sometimes as soon as four months Mm -hmm. away from home. And that causes a lot of issues for mom and baby. So we're um, trying to align the army with the other services and push the duty away from home out to 12 months. It's one of the other proposals that's in there. And so I know they're going to be looking at that uh, next week as well. So hopefully that gets pushed through. We'll see. Wow. So wait, um, so that was one of the top five. So that was definitely one of the top five, mm-hmm. uh, especially when it comes to, uh, you know, it's one thing to go TDY. Like when I went TDY, I was in a classroom. They were very accommodating. They put a refrigerator right in the big classroom for me. They opened up a room for me to pump. They were very accommodating. I mean, it was still stressful. Right. And right. if I had could have gone during pregnancy, I would have. Mm-hmm. But it was doable in that situation. But we have soldiers that are being sent to JRTC, right. NTC, CSTX, you know, these field trainings. Yes. At six months postpartum where they're, you're still pumping a lot. Mm-hmm. And now you put them into an environment that you may or may not be able to pump consistently. You mm-hmm. may or may not be able to store your milk. Mm-hmm. So to, well, you know, the layman's, you know, pump and dump is a right. huge mental destroyer, you know, it is <laughs> pump your milk. I mean, and then have to dump it out because you can't store it, mm-hmm. you know? So, and then, you know, even separating mom and baby, again, you get into postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, it, it all ties into it, each other. There's also some studies out there that show that separating um, the birth parent from the baby can increase SIDS because the birth parent is the one that's most in tune with that infant when they're sleeping. Mm-hmm. And they really recommend um, the room sharing, not obviously they don't recommend sleeping in the same bed, um, but they recommend mom and baby sleep in the same room and that that can decrease it. So then you take mom out of there and 
they've shown had some studies about that. And then you put a mom who's trying to pump, you know, every couple hours into a field environment that's inconsistent pumping and not clean. And we have a lot of soldiers that uh, we hear back from them when they their units haven't excused them and they end up getting clogged ducts. They end mm-hmm. up with diitis, you know, so again, medical readiness. Right. Why yes. would you send a soldier into that environment? It's like, you right. know, it's basically we're talking about one year of a soldier's career now that you don't, you don't want to defer them. So in the big scheme of things, it's just better to keep those soldiers at home. So we're working on official policy. There's also a policy revision pending. I don't know when they're actually going to publish the revision of the policy, but I worked with the Army writers to revise Chapter 5-5 of AR 600-20, which is the breastfeeding and lactation support policy, because right now it states that commanders will support uh, the breastfeeding soldier for at least one year. So a lot of uh, commanders, and I just dealt with this over the weekend, actually, with a terrible, terrible situation. I'm going to continue to help the soldier on a more formal level. But um, so the commanders get hooked on at least, and they think that that means only. Mm. So soldiers will get to that one year postpartum, and then the commander is like, okay, you have to stop breastfeeding. <laughs> um, no commander, it's not your decision. It's the mother and the baby. And the policy says at least, which is at a minimum, not right. less than right. usually more. And, but there are commanders that are out there that say, Nope, I'm not going to support you after a year. And again, why? I mean, come on people first. Right. And right. so the policy revision I took actually from the Marine Corps policy, They had some really good uh, verbiage in their policy that very clearly states that support does not end at one year. And that was not the intent of AR 600-20, which was actually the Army directive Uh that came from a Fort Campbell policy or Fort Bliss policy. I'm sorry. And the intent was not to stop at one year, but people get hooked on words. Yes, they they do. It's man. That intent. Power Uh, of a paper, right? (laughs) It's like, like this word, you know, right yep, here, you know, yep. it's the difference between commander may versus commander will. So it's, right. there's a lot of commanders out there that whatever the policy, as soon as they see commanders may, oh, I don't have to mm-hmm. because yep. they're commanding for themselves. No, you don't command for yourself. You command for your troops. Right. You are not leading yourself. You are leading your troops. Right. So or if I have to do it for you, I'm gonna have to do it for all the what a hundred women who are pregnant at the same time. <laughs> right. You know, come on. It's not yeah, it's not units don't have that many at one time. That right, right. No, yeah, exactly. I was being facetious, like, yeah, come right. on. Oh no, I know, and, I know. And every you woman temporary profiles too and can't go and right. you know, so forth. So it is what it is, but you know, they get hooked on these words and I don't have to, cause it says may not will and whatever. So that's my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a good soapbox though. Cause yeah. that's, it's definitely very important because you know, right. it's, it's not only now the female soldier, but it's mm-hmm. the, their, their children that could be a potential soldier yeah. 18 years from now, you know, so yeah. it's, you know, readiness of the future generation as yeah. well. Well, well. And we're working when some of these policies that we're kind of looking to revise, uh-huh. it's not just the mothers, you know, obviously there's 
um, families defined in lots of ways, right? So we have gender families, we have single parents, sometimes that single parent is the mother, and sometimes Mm -hmm. it's the father. So for example, the postpartum and parental operational and training deferment revision that I had written is inclusive. So it's not just the birth parents, it's understanding that a family looks different sometimes, and different is okay. And Mm -hmm. we want to take that into consideration. So if you have same gender, adoptive parents, whatever, we want to make sure that there's consistency in that child's life for that first year. However, that family, you know, whatever that family looks like, like. always just a mom and a dad. Um, And so we are looking at other policies as well to help um, the other parents. So when you look at in terms of pregnancy loss, for example. So right now, there's nothing built into any regulation anywhere that says that a female soldier that has a pregnancy loss gets time off. Mm. So that is being worked into. There is some policy revisions that are pending approval that will uh, that address that. And um, it's a really, really, really good start to that. But it only addresses the like the mother who actually experiences the pregnancy loss. But when you add in a significant other, again, you know, who that significant other can vary, whether it's, you know, same gender couple or, you know, the father, whatever, they're also grieving that loss. They also need time off to support the parent that experienced the actual pregnancy loss. So it's a family unit, right? Um, so we're trying to work on some policy updates as well to cover the, the other parents, realizing it's a family unit. You know, you don't experience pregnancy loss individually. Right. So right. we're working on that as well. So trying to not just focus on the mom, but the family as a whole. As, as a well. unit. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, that's yeah. I mean, when you're distracted awesome. like that, you're not lethal. You can't be lethal when you're distracted. Give right. them the time off to heal mentally mm-hmm. or physically, if you know, as well. If it's the actual person who experienced a pregnancy loss, give them that proper time to heal and they're going to come back and be, you know, ready to fight. Right. No, exactly. And and not everyone will require that time. It, you know, right. it just depends on how you, you know, mourn, you know, are, mm-hmm. are taken loss. So definitely exactly. some people need the distraction at work and some people just need that time yeah. um, alone, but you know, most right. definitely too, for the person who is carrying the child, you, you, you do need that physical buffer, you know, instead of like, Oh, you know, you're cleared for PT. <laughs> Right. I mean, because the, the same thing applies. Your body right. goes through all these hormonal changes. Yes. Um, you know, needs time to recuperate for sure. Mm-hmm. Right. Man, so y'all are keeping like all higher ups busy right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Kelly, I mean, you are talking you, when you speak. It's so much passion. I mean, is this <laughs> did, did this stem from anywhere in particular, or is it? Yeah. Wh- where did it come from? Where Where did this need for advocacy come from? You know, I don't know. I, I've been um, up until the unit that I'm in now, I've always been in AMED units, actually. And I've always had really good support um, through both my pregnancies. I had good support. um, And I've been lucky too. I haven't really experienced a lot of uh, like discrimination because Mm -hmm. I'm female. 
Um, I, I did have a commander way back early, early in my career. Um, I was not in an AMED unit and I wanted to train. I actually was getting ready to branch transfer to the nurse corps. I, I wasn't a nurse at the time. And so I was, I needed to transfer into a medical unit. And I remember my commander saying to me, and this was probably in like 2000, 2001, 2002 timeframe. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, is your husband going to let you transfer to the medical unit? And I just kind of looked at him. I didn't really know how to respond. I didn't grow up that way, you know? Right. And I was like, what do you mean is my husband going to let me transfer? And he's like, well, you know, medical units, they deploy. Is he going to let you transfer? You might deploy. I was like, my husband doesn't have to let me do anything. Like, you know? (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so like, that's probably the one and only time I, my commander, when I was getting ready to assume command, it was a reserve position as a TPU company commander. And there's 300 soldiers assigned to that unit. And so it was a big, it was a big job coming into that because we were like double strength and um, the unit had a lot of issues when I was taking command. And so he very politely had asked, do you think it would be too much, you know, to be a new mom and a commander? It's okay if it is. So he was kind of giving me an out, but in a, but he did it like in a very supportive and respectful way, like not saying, Hey, I don't think you can handle this. He just wanted to make sure that I knew that if I thought it was going to be too much, it was okay not to take the command position. And I said, no, I think I'll be okay. And after that, I mean, he was like a thousand times supportive, you know? So I was always really lucky, but I think just through the advocacy work, especially, you know, I got started with breastfeeding and combat boots and mm-hmm. as a commander, you know, I, I read regulations. I know commanders mm-hmm. read regulations. Um, <laughs> not that they don't, they should, that was a directive, not uh, what they already do. No, we need to read regulations as leaders and commanders and soldiers, but I tried to really take care of my soldiers and know the regulations and then realized as a new mom, like, Hey, my, my time off from the reserve was only six weeks. That's mm. not a long time. I mean, I got on an airplane with a six and a half week old baby to fly from the East coast to Milwaukee for my battle assembly weekend. Oh my gosh. What? That was a lot. No kidding. So wait, who kept the, who kept the baby? So my unit was in Milwaukee and my parents live uh, just North of Chicago. So oh I, I flew out of Columbia, South Carolina, it's a small airport. So you have to go outside upstairs to get onto this tiny airplane. The people in South Carolina were so amazing. Like I was <laughs> so, I mean, you're six weeks right. after having, I mean, like you're completely hormonal. I've got this little tiny baby hyper bag, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm a new mom getting on this airplane. And, uh, the people on the, that were, you know, getting on the airplane were super helpful. And the flight attendant was amazing. I've got tears shooting down my face. Like, oh my gosh, I'm so scared with this little baby. And so I flew to O'Hare. My parents met me at the airport and they took her for the weekend, um, to their house. So, I was, you know, away from her for the whole weekend. It was really tough, um, but I, I was the commander. And so right. probably yeah, I could have excused myself. Right. But at the same time, it's like, well, I'm the commander. I need to be there with my troops. So 
Um, so I went, but yeah, six weeks, not a long, long time. I mean, I still was physically recovering as well from, um, childbirth. So it was tough. Um, and I just tried to set the example for my soldiers and really tried to take care of my pregnant soldiers and my moms with the new understanding, you know, it's hard being a parent and being in the military and it's hard being a mom because a lot of the times, you know, the primary care is on our shoulders as the mom. So this adds another layer of stress to what can already be a stressful job being in the military. Um, So I started advocating and realizing that policies weren't that great and it just kept going. (laughs) And I mean, it's awesome because although it worked out for you, it was stressful, right? But you look Mm -hmm. back and you're like, I don't know how I made it through. But, but, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to forget that time too. like, you know, it's just kind of like, I remember it, I can tell the story about it, but we're here now, everything's fine. My kids are healthy and happy. Uh, And then, and you continue to drive on with your day to day. And so it's, it's amazing that it's just now it's 2021 that these, these changes are happening Mm -hmm. and occurring because as women, because, you know, a lot of the times the, 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 um, all the um like like what you just said the the duties kind of fall on us to kind of figure right. it out uh so we're just bombarded with you know child care you know being a mother a spouse um mm-hmm. work then depending on your job and what it demands then you know life is you know 20 20 plus years <laughs> and you're done you're ready to hang up your coat with no right. changes right because it kind of worked it worked out for us it's a distant memory it was hard mm-hmm. times and it's not it's not i don't think we're saying either like well if i did it you did it but it's just like we lost time and and right. no changes have occurred so i mean kudos to 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 the groups and all the people who are advocating for these changes. And man, we are seeing them. It is like, <laughs> boom, boom, boom. I mean, first yep. it was the the nails. And I mean, mind you, these are like very uh, nails and, uh-huh. and um, gosh, what, what earrings. Right. <laughs> yeah, I have my today. Yeah, I didn't get my nails done, but I do have my earrings in. So. I, I tried to do the Dell dip at home. It was a fail and I did use <laughs> polish and it looked a lot better, but yes, it's already, I'm like, Ooh, I need to go take it right. off before work today. Cause it's already yeah. chipping. <laughs> but you know, when you think about like the hair, right. That, so the nails and the earrings, that's nice. Right. Um, right. The hair though is, is scientifically backed. Yeah. You know, so that, um, and I will say, I mean, we didn't have anything to do with that, but you know, that is scientifically backed with, you know, hair loss, alopecia, um, mm-hmm. hair breakage, all that kind of stuff, scalp irritation. And, you know, even the policies that we submitted, um, there's a lot of research that had gone into those, you know, again, it wasn't just our wine list. This is what we want to see, right? but right. We took the real issues you know, which is again, why we sent the survey out because it's about the soldiers. What do the, what changes do the soldiers want to see? And so we took that and, you know, put it together with, um, you know, the senior leaders idea of people first, and this is my squad and let's take care of the soldier first, because, you know, the more you take care of your soldier, the more they're vested in you as a leader and they're, 
um, teammates Mm -hmm. and the harder they're going to fight for you. Right. And in the organization, right. The, the, the more likely that they'll stay in for longer than like, Oh, let me meet my requirements and I'm out of here. So Mm -hmm. I can find the support that I need, you know? Right. And even with some of these policy changes that we've seen in the last few weeks, I mean, I'm sure for the army, because they don't like change. It's like (laughs) some of the, we've seen it. We've seen the responses. They're like in shock. They don't know how to process these changes, but even, I mean, we've been contacted by multiple soldiers saying, you know what? I was about to ETS. I just, you know, changed my mind or I was going to transfer to another service that has better policies, but I just changed my mind. And so these policy changes become a retention tool as well. And so, you know, the army spends a lot of money to train a soldier, put them through their initial military training, you know, get them trained in their MOS or AOC or whatever. And then a couple of years later, they leave for either the ETS or, you know, they go to a different service. That's, that's money lost on the army from Mm -hmm. training. So if we can do these policy revisions that kind of take care of the soldier in a, you know, that postpartum pregnancy and postpartum period, then you've got them for a long time after that. Absolutely. I mean, and you know, I mean, when the Marines have better policies, mm-hmm. come on. Right. <laughs> and their percentage of women is not as high yeah. as the Army. You know? oh, right. So actually, the Army has more women now than the Marines have Marines. <laughs> and a lot of the policy revisions that I wrote, the well, the um, 600-20, Chapter 5-5 revision and the postpartum uh, and parental operational training diver- division or revision, deferment revision, sorry. Those two policies, a lot of the wording from those was taken from the Marine Corps policy. I mean, who did they have to help guide yeah. them? You know, it Something was like, phenomenal. hey, right? phenomenal. you know, they're like, hey, we don't have that many women. You know, we have mm-hmm. five and we're going to keep those five, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, yep. and we're going to make policy so good that they yes. are never going to want to leave. You know, I, I just, they, I mean, in the air force too, the air force and the Marines have phenomenal policies for their female soldiers. They also, so the other services also have uh, women's initiative teams. Uh-huh. The army um, is about to stand one up. So that is super exciting. And that is really going to help um, not just with the pregnancy and postpartum policies, but just female soldier policies in general. Uh, The Air Force Women's Initiative team has done some phenomenal things. So they did a study um, that was not, it was not pregnancy or postpartum related, but the Air Force wanted to know why there weren't that many female pilots. Mm. And they had done this huge recruiting effort and was really trying to increase the number of female pilots within the Air Force. Well, it turned out that because of the design of the aircraft, women were being physically excluded from becoming pilots because they weren't tall enough for the aircraft seats. Really? There's a height requirement? Yes, because of the seats and controls and the ejection mechanism, all that. Uh And so you have to be, you know, a certain size. in a certain size window in order to fit in an aircraft. And so it was excluding a lot of females. They weren't tall enough. And so through the Air Force Women's Initiative team and through their studies, they have now, the Air Force has directed 
the aircraft manufacturers to make their seats designed in such a way that they're more adjustable so that more females will fit in their seats. Wow. You know, as it, I come to think of it, I don't think I've ever met a short female pilot. <laughs> right. Right. Because they have the always seat. been tall. Yeah. Yep. They <gasps> won't. So that was like a physical barrier yeah. Yeah. for female pilots. And so that's what I, so the Air Force WIT has done a lot for the female service members in general. So we're, the Army is getting really, really close to standing up a women's initiative team. It's, um, it's like under legal review right now. And so that is super exciting because that's really going to help to consolidate a lot of these policies where there's not oversight, there's policies and there's policy revisions happening, Mm -hmm. but it's very disjointed right now. And so the policies, they contradict each other or they don't necessarily coincide. Even some of the verbiage is different from one policy to another. So the, the women's initiative team is really going to help to kind of streamline that and make it a cohesive effort. And I think they're going to help over the next year or so to bring the army's policies up um, to a much better level. That's really going to make a huge impact on um, female soldiers. I mean that. I mean that. That is phenomenal. I, I, it, yeah. I, I'm just waiting for, I guess, um, you know, how, who are going to be on these working groups and, right. and teams because we tend to be top heavy. And uh, sure. I, I know that's a lot of complaints of the soldiers, like who are making these decisions? Right. Well, no one on the floor. You yeah. know. <laughs> so that's kind of where our proposal paper came from. Again, right? It, uh-huh. it comes from the bottom up. So I always say, like my. My work with policy revision, I have always said, has been from a grassroots level. Mm -hmm. So I take the issues that I've seen through social media, I turn those issues into policy revisions and back them up with research and send it up. And, um, you know, that's how, so I was, I submitted the request, for example, for the breastfeeding and pumping the lactation undershirt back in, I think that proposal initially went up in in 2017, because it wasn't technically unauthorized by the regulation, the regulation AR 670-1 was kind of vague, actually, it just mm-hmm. said it had to, you know, meet the color or whatever, but soldiers were being told they couldn't wear it. So I was like, well, I wonder what it would take to get it approved. So I filled out the form, you know, 2028, put some research in there, sent the request up. Yeah, let's do this. There's no reason not to. Okay. Then we had an army directive authorizing it. Now it's in 670-1 in the DA PAM. And, you know, that was, Damn. it took time because it's a process, right. but right. that came out of issues. You know, the women's initiative team, the way it works is that it's a, it's a completely volunteer uh, group of sold of, and it's not just going to be soldiers because we have civilians that also travel. So we want to make sure our policies Um, help the civilians as well. So, but it's completely volunteer. It will be spread out through all the compost. So active duty, reserve, national guard, all ranks. We definitely want um, some, you know, E4, E5, E6, you know, soldiers, lower officers on there, and then some higher ranking because, you know, they have that experience as well, but it's not run. It, it sits at the Pentagon, but the members aren't the senior staff of the army. Okay. The point of it is that it is not the senior staff That's of the army. army. It is a grassroots group that consolidates issues 
but is backed by the Army senior leadership. Okay. And that's exactly how it works in the Air Force as well. And it's additional duty. Um, and so it's completely volunteer as an additional duty, but covers the entire Army. No, so we will be able to kind of do what we're doing with the Army Mom Life and have the backing of uh, senior Army leadership. So it's like super exciting. That is. <laughs> I, I hopefully mean, that will, like I said, there's a, the proposal and charter is being reviewed uh, right now. So hopefully soon it will be officially out there. Well, yes, I, I hope so. And uh, for anyone listening, you know, if you're interested, you know, yes. <laughs> look out for those emails or hit yes. up Lieutenant you know, Colonel Bell. <laughs> once it's once it's officially approved, then a message will probably go out to the field. I don't know exactly how they're going to send it out, but mm-hmm. um, the idea right now, again, you know, um, things can change. But the idea right now is that a message would go out to the force, the total force, soliciting mm-hmm. uh, volunteers. And um, I'm not sure exactly what it's going to look like if they're going to specify, okay, we want X number of this rank or whatever, this grouping of rank or, you know, so forth. And some of it will probably depend on what responses we get back. And the members um, do not have to be just um, females. That's the other side. So it'd be um, soldiers and civilians, male and female. Um, There's some phenomenal uh, male leaders out there that are totally supportive. Sergeant Major of the Army, I mean, come on. He's right, amazing. Right, right. So, you you're know, getting home runs left and right. On Twitter and you're not following Sergeant Major of the Army, you're wrong because, or Instagram, either place, he puts out some phenomenal stuff in support of um, female soldiers and it's completely appreciated. Um, it's great. So there's, there are definitely um, Army senior leaders out there that are very supportive uh, to female soldiers and changing some of these policies, you know, Sergeant Major of the Army made a really good point on one of his uh, Twitter posts. You know, the guys are all up in arms because they don't didn't get beards. But <laughs> you know, all of our almost all of our regulations are male centric. They were all written from the male's perspective on how to do things, and so now they're kind of being tweaked and adjusted um, for females, which is a long time coming. <laughs> Right. So right. it is a change. It's a culture change in a lot of units as well. But as the younger soldiers see, you know, some of the really senior army leaders that are supportive and they are making these changes, every little change is just another message that I say, like big army is sending out to the field saying we support this group of soldiers, you know, even the undershirt. That's mm-hmm. big army saying, you know, we, we support this group of soldiers. And I briefed the uniform army board in, um, or the army uniform board in the fall, and they voted on whether or not to issue the lactation undershirt uh, as part of your CIF issue with your maternity uniform as an optional item. And the board loved the idea. And so probably in about a year or so, it'll be ready where when you get your maternity uniforms, you're going to have the option of getting a five pack of the lactation undershirts. Oh, wow. That's that huge is, method, that right? is. That's yeah. The army thing. We are supporting this group of soldiers. Just like um, so, the, the female pea cups, you know, the right? 
<laughs> that was a big yep. win. <laughs> I know, right? So, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's or better bras. I mean, yes. all those oh. things are just ways that, um, you know, they're supporting the female soldier. And so it's great. It's really great to see. Man. Okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> it is just, it's, it's great to be a part of it. Um, mm-hmm. of well, I'm really staying on the sidelines, watching it, cheering it on. But I mean, you are in the midst of it um, with the, you know, a ton of other, not a ton, but a, another yeah. group of women. I have, I'm just one of uh-huh. eight admins for the Army Mom Life. And right. uh, the Army Mom Life admins are who put the proposal paper mm-hmm. um, together that's being worked next week. We had other um, subject matter experts that assisted with that. We're looking at uh, you know, P3T revision, and we've got experts helping with that. So um, it's really a phenomenal team. And I'm, I'm so blessed to be part of that group um, with Sergeant Pierce and, you know, the other admins. It's, it's just, it's great. <laughs> I mean, I, and, and isn't it nice to have like, you, you're seeing some, some, some traction. So it's just mm-hmm. it's easy now just to keep it rolling, right? Yep, <laughs> like, oh, one after another, fire round. Yep, here's another right? one. Here's another one. <laughs> yep, um, that's the, okay, next, right? <laughs> right. So, oh, oh, great. Well, yep. I, I don't want to take too much of uh, your time. So just a couple more questions. Any resources off the top of your head uh, that you really, um, did, that you seem that you frequently put out? Sure. Uh, so I would to. definitely recommend um that all leaders so there's an article out there called athena thriving um that is a spectacular article that talks about uh, leading female soldiers and so that article is um all about different aspects of being a female in the military from um, field hygiene to you know combating sexual harassment and discrimination all that kind of stuff. We are working, um, finalizing a second, a follow-up article to that, Athena Thriving 2, which is specific to pregnant and postpartum soldiers because we're finding um, the lack of support a lot of times is due to leaders' lack of understanding and knowledge. So um, the follow-up article basically takes all of the policies that are out there pertaining to pregnant and postpartum soldiers and puts it into a readable, usable um, document. So that um, hopefully will get published within the next week or so. Um, We're trying to get the education of um, pregnant and postpartum policies into PME. Again, push those policies out there so soldiers know what their rights are and leaders know what their responsibilities are. Um, I would definitely recommend that leaders and soldiers um, follow the Breastfeeding and Combat Boots website or Facebook group and also go to their website. They have a lot of info sheets that we've put together. I've uh, author on one of them. Um, So we have like a hazmat info sheet. We have a generalized pumping one, traveling with breast milk, Um, pumping in the field handout. And they're really good info sheets um, for soldiers and for uh, leaders. And um, of course, leaders should be reading AR Mm 600-20, all of it, not just um, chapter 5-5, but all of it. That's our, you know, guidebook. Um, And then of course, the Army Mom Life for female soldiers that are moms. And then we have another group 
that's geared towards uh, leaders. So we had men that wanted to join the Army Mom Life so they could uh, learn more about it. But we decided through a survey on the site that we want to keep it um, just for female only because we do have some sensitive topics on there. And we want to make sure that it's a safe environment for our female soldiers to come to, to vent and so forth. So we started, Sergeant um, Pierce came up with the idea and it's brilliant. So we have the Army the Army Leadership Parenting Information Forum. And so that anyone can join that, male, female, whatever rank. And that's not like a venting site, that's more like an education site. So we put out topics and discuss them or if leaders have questions, whatever. They can okay. come to that site to find information on caring and leading, uh, not just females, but you know, parents in general that are in the Thank Army. You. Okay, okay. No, that's, that is, that's awesome. So just a kind of a one-stop shop for, for anyone yes. who has questions. Um, Yeah. About parenting are yep. kind of helping decipher what the policy says, like why well, it says, you know, you know up to, <laughs> what right. does that really mean? <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> Can I still? Okay. Well, good. I mean, y'all are busy. So y'all are really busy. Yes. Uh, is, is there any particular place? So just if anyone wants to help, are y'all asking, I mean, are, do you need more help? If anyone's really interested, I'm sure they can just reach out to uh, sure. the admin on the, on one of the group pages. Yes. So we have um, like, um, I developed um, a, like a resource list. So we have had um, various people reach out to us and say, hey, I'm good at this or I'm really passionate about this or my background is whatever. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of keep track of um, those folks that have volunteered to help. So, for example, we have someone that reached out to us that is a strategist and writes a ton of white papers. So we have her on our resource list. So when we're writing some of these things, then we can send them to her, for example, and she'll Mm -hmm. kind of review and edit and that type of thing. So yeah, if there's people out there that are passionate about some of these topics, definitely reach out to one of the admins through uh, either one of our Facebook pages. Let us know what you're expertises or how you'd like to help. And, you know, we kind of keep track of that. So if something comes up, like we've got a couple JAG officers that said, you know, if you have issues, you know, feel free to reach out to us. So, you know, if we get a message in the inbox or something, we need additional assistance. We have some folks that we can reach out to. Okay. Well, good. Well, thank you. And lastly, what is the last book that you've sat down and read or listened to on one of the audio Virgins. I would say I haven't read a book in a long time because you've got a lot of policies. Because <laughs> I have a lot of policies. <laughs> so, um, you know, always reading policy. Right, right. I think it's really, and I actually find um, like military regulations. To I'm probably an army nerd. Um, you know, I like reading FM one zero. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it's good to know what the army thinks of the army as a profession, as a leader. I mean, I'm, I'm just reading policies. I read <laughs> policies. I know I'm an army nerd that way, I guess, but I'm also trying to fix them. So that's right. I read policy. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Fair enough. I'll take that answer. You know, important, <laughs> important part of that takeaway is read your policies and regulations. Right. Yes. yes. <laughs> 
know the policies. <laughs> right, right. No trash books, policies right. and regs. Right. Yeah. Nope, that's it's important. It's important that, you know, if you do your control find, you don't <laughs> stop at the first time the policy finds that word, right? You keep right. reading because there's more to it. There's more to it. <laughs> and so, you know, it goes back to even um, the lactation and policy that says, you know, at least a year. But if you go back to the first paragraph, it talks about why it's important mm-hmm. for a mom to breastfeed. And if you, if leaders understand all the research behind why it's important and the benefits that it has, not just for the baby, but there's huge benefits for the breastfeeding mother too, that tie into medical readiness and long-term medical readiness then they would understand, okay, maybe I do need to support this more than just at least a year, you know, type of thing. So read the policies. <laughs> right. Read the policies. <laughs> and understand the intent. Exactly. Well said. Well, thank you, um, Kelly, for stopping by today and giving us all of this new knowledge and the exciting things to come. Uh, they may not come tomorrow, but we are looking forward to the changes that are expected in the future. Yes. And if you know, if you are really, really passionate about advocating for a certain issue that you've had or that you know others have had as well, you know, you you start well start with people who are already doing it. And if Mm -hmm. you're not sure of how to go forward, but definitely there's, um, you know, research involved to to make your argument a little bit stronger research involved and, um, and, and submitting the farm in the 2028. And now we have social media that you can find everyone uh, that you need to find, um, you know, to send that out to, but there is always a process for that. And, and it goes farther than just making comments on social media about, you know, what you wish you had. So please, please, please take it seriously and submit those issues if you do have some. Um, But yes, anything else you'd like to add? Um, No, just stay tuned for exciting updates. I know I sure will. (laughs) Thank you, man. Oops, you know, I said, come join our Facebook groups, either as a leader, join the leadership forum or as a army mom, come join the army mom life. We'd love to have you. Absolutely. And they do put out a great information and they're a great support group for all. So thank you, ma'am. Enjoy your day. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Wasn't that great? Well, thank you for listening. Thank you, Lieutenant Colonel Kelly Bell for sharing those nuggets i mean it's so inspirational and if anything that you take away from this please read your regulations please read your policies and be an advocate for change if you want to see change we have to advocate and we have to give people all the work because no one else is going to do it for us so leaders ladies get out there be great and stay tuned for next week's episode or I'll see you next week. And uh, thank you for, for listening and please leave your reviews. Take care. <laughs>